your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. One last thing I wanted to mention before I forget. Uh, we will also be having fellowship time tonight afterwards. So please stay, join us downstairs for a snack and a wonderful time of just getting to know each other better. Tonight our second reading is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 16. Please follow along in the Bible in front of you or on the screen. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Lord, teach us from your word. We acknowledge that we are beautifully in over our head. That you are a great, powerful, mighty God who created the world simply by speaking, and yet you desire a relationship with each of us. You know us intimately and love us dearly. Lord, we are beautifully in over our head. But this night, Father, show us what it means to be trained in godliness. Show us what it means to prepare and to be diligent in our spiritual lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So, this evening, I really like this text. One, because I'm a bit of a younger pastor. And so, right, the do not let anyone look down on you because you're young. If anyone tells me I don't know anything, I just get to tell them. But as we look... Let's look at this in the whole picture of Timothy and what we've been studying. This, this passage, I believe, is about training for godliness. You know, last week we talked about discernment. Last week we talked about false teaching in the church. And then Paul, in his letter to Timothy, his disciple, redirects things back about their relationship. And he even goes into some mentoring information that I think is really valuable to us. And he starts out with this in verse 6 after talking about the false teaching happening in Ephesus. And he says that this, he says, if you lift up Christ, if you do the things we're talking about here, which, if you don't remember from last week, was lead others to thanksgiving, lead others to prayer. If you do these things, Timothy, then you'll be, all, you'll be set. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. 
If you do these things, you will be a good servant. I remember always thinking about the baptism of Jesus and how the heavens open and this voice says, well, this is my, my son whom I love. And, and I always thought, wow, what a great picture. And then I think at the end of the book of Matthew, when, when Jesus calls his people in Matthew 25 and he says, you know, you've done all these wonderful things for me while they time, you know, come and take, you know, my good and faithful servants. And I've always wanted this, right? I've always wanted to be able to say, this is all I need to do. Just, just a couple of bullet points, right? Three steps to make sure that I'm a good servant of Jesus. And, and, and in a way, this is kind of it. He's telling Timothy, hey, if you want to be a good servant of Jesus Christ, if you want to be a diligent follower, lead people away from this false teaching that we talked about last week to thanksgiving and prayer. The good teaching that we know that we have followed. And he goes on to reiterate some of the important things, the important things about this service to Jesus Christ. This is why we sang some of these songs about refiner's fire and about the other New Testament passage about being useful in the kingdom and being hot or cold water. Verses 7 and 8 where he says that we should train ourselves. Excuse me. Slide that down. That we should train ourselves to be godly. This is a huge passion of mine. I don't know if any of you have studied much theology, but the word for this, it's kind of a big, big English word, is sanctification. You know, as Christians, what do we do? We, we get saved. Many of us can remember the day we were saved or the day we accepted Jesus into our heart. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was 13 years old. I was at summer camp. The building still stands, and, and I remember the spot, and I've been back to it, and it was wonderful. But I remember that time thinking, okay, so, so I've just had this great you know, moment. I've had this altar call where you walk down or you stand up and you say, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and everyone claps and you feel great. Now what? I'm 13 years old, and I have a long life to live. What in the world do I do? And I've encountered so many speed bumps in my own life, not knowing how to grow, not knowing how to be made holy, to be trained in what Paul calls godliness. That many in the church in our history has placed the emphasis on salvation. That we must be a seeker-friendly church. We must get everyone in the doors and make sure that everyone says, I'm on the right team. But in my experience, sometimes the church hasn't done a great job in the next steps. In my experience, at least personally, I've always struggled to wonder, how do I grow? How do I become more like Jesus? When, when Paul talks about godliness, he's really just saying, I, I like to use the word Christ-likeness. How do I be more like Jesus? And he, and he gives this great illusion. He says, listen, Timothy, physical training is of some value. Think about it as training. Think about it as discipline. But godliness is for this life and the life to come. Many of us know about physical training, right? We all know we should work out. We know we should do things. Uh, as, as, as we get to know each other over the coming years, you will know that physical activity is a huge part of my life, uh, though my wife might say differently. Um, I, 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 I try to run. I try to exercise. I try to eat healthy. Uh, I, I like to ride my bike. I like to run sometimes. But I learned this lesson at a young age because, you know, here we have there's club sports teams and everyone can kind of join these things. But in the U.S., growing up, everyone is in sports. 
The rule was in my house, you either had to be on a sports team or have a job. There's no other option. Like, you don't just go to school. No one just goes to school. You have to do something else, because otherwise you come home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and do nothing all day. And so my mom said, you have to do one or the other. And so I decided, instead of doing music or after-school programs, to be in sports. And I learned this lesson in swimming. Um, I've shared this with some of you, that I uh, swam in college and, and, and spent a huge portion of my life going back and forth in a pool, staring at a black line. It's an insanely boring sport. Like, it's only exciting every four years at the Olympics. Every other time, it's just awful. But, but for some reason, I decided to do this and, and, and commit my life to it. But it taught me great discipline. You know, there was a time when I would actually, and, and this is true, I would have 12 workouts a week. Nine in the pool and three in like a weight room, lifting weights and doing other things. And it took this, I, I look back and I still can't really believe it, but it taught me so much about discipline and about training. And when I read this passage, this is what I think of. Physical training is of some value. Sam, if you're willing to do all of that for a sport, for going back and forth in a pool, what are you willing to do for me? And, and we all learn this in different ways. Some of us learn discipline through school. I wasn't the best student. I kind of squeaked by. Some of us are very disciplined in our studies. Some of us have been very disciplined in music and, and practicing for hours daily. Some of us waited till we started working to learn discipline, but then when we got a job, realized, okay, I have to be disciplined because if I'm late again, I don't have a job anymore. And some people, unfortunately, we know this to be true, never learn discipline. And they struggle through life. It's a metaphor we can all relate to. We know what it means to be disciplined. We know what it means to train for something. The difference here that Paul points out, physical training is of some value, but what, what's going to happen to all of us? Our bodies will break down. Our physical bodies will wear away. Age will defeat us all. But the soul is eternal. Who God has made us to be is for eternity. And so he's saying that if we truly are eternal beings designed to spend eternity with our Creator, then we must train our souls. We must train in godliness, for that is what matters. That is not only for this life, but for the life to come. And in verse 9 and 10, he says that this is because, not because we are so great, but because our hope is in a living God who is our Savior. This is a trustworthy phrase. This is why we work. This is why we train. Because our life is leading to something much greater than this. Much greater than this world. Much greater than our broken bodies that we're trying to hold on to with every scrap of dignity. And then he goes in. He goes into what this looks like a little bit in verse 11 and 12. He tells Timothy, Command and teach these things. Labor and striving for God. Command and teach these things. And don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Don't let anyone tell you different, Timothy. There's a famous verse in the Bible. Lots of times it's used by youth groups. It's used by young people. It's used as a unifying thing. And I think rightly so. You know, we know that Jesus welcomed the little children. Matthew chapter 19, if you're familiar with it, Jesus rebukes the disciples for telling them to get the kids out of there. And Jesus says, no, 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 this is the kingdom of God. 
We know that God desires pure hearts, that it has nothing to do with age. And so Timothy, even though he was probably younger than some of the people he was pastoring, even though he wasn't the oldest and most experienced, scholars think he was probably in his late 20s or early 30s, that he can set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity, to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture and to not neglect the gifts he's been given. And so you see, what's amazing about this is that Timothy has been training up to this point. Okay, so it's not just that Timothy miraculously one day was said, okay, great, you're a pastor now, go have fun. (laughs) He's been training, he's been working. If you read the book of Acts, and we've gone back and looked at a few things in Acts recently, he's been traveling with Paul. Paul has sent him to different churches to do different things. And so when he says this, I think this is something that we can really take alongside our reading and our prayer and our study and our backgrounds. We can take this and and apply it to all of us. When Paul says to Timothy as his mentor to not neglect his gift, this is something we can all learn from. And so I ask you this evening, what is your gift? What is your gifts? What do you enjoy doing? What has God called you to do? You know, a way this was popular, um, at least when I was a teenager, I remember in the, in the 90s and early 2000s, they had these things called spiritual gift tests. They were very, very popular. I haven't seen them much recently. Um, but but in, in, in the idea was, if you've never taken one, was that you would fill out a questionnaire about your personality, about what you enjoyed doing, and, and then inevitably at the end you would get one or two or maybe three things that this is your spiritual gift. They're not bad tools. They can be very helpful. But I don't mean when I say spiritual gift that you have one thing that you have to do and this is the only way that God is going to use you. What I mean is that God has given us all a wide range of gifts. And God has given us all a wide range of abilities and things that we can do to serve him. That God gives us all gifts. And that these are things that bring us joy in life. And so when I ask, or or when I'm in a relationship with someone and they ask me about this, how do I know what God is calling me to do? How do I know what I'm supposed to live my life? How do I know to have this great calling like Timothy? How, How do I find this out? And I ask them a pretty simple question. You know, alongside reading the Bible and prayer and going to church and and the things we know we're supposed to do, what brings you joy? What do you enjoy? What is, what is something you look at and you say, man, that just, it's not just happiness. Not just that fleeting thing that comes and goes. But, but really joy. And you look forward to it. And your heart longs for it. I believe, personally, that when, when, when Paul is saying to Timothy in verse 15, be diligent in these matters, he's talking about training. He's saying, Timothy, listen, Take the gifts you've been given, take the things that bring you joy, and train and work to develop them. And in my mind, all of a sudden, it just begins, this picture begins to get more and more clear. What an amazing God we worship, that the things that bring us the most joy in this life are the things that bring us closer to God. I'll tell you, for me personally, it came to the Bible for some reason or another, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit, and in some ways it's a spiritual gift, that when I started reading this book, I just fell in love with it. And it used to be like 
you know, a chore. I used to sit down and try to read it when I was younger and just think, what in the world is this talking about? This makes no sense. What a silly book. Like, how do I just, you know, I used to do the thing where you would do one of two things. You'd either open your Bible and say, all right, my devotional this morning is on this. Or I would look, I'd get one of those big, thick study Bibles so that people would think I was really holy. And then I would carry it with me to church. And, and then, really, the only way I would read scripture was I would look in the back and say, okay, I'm kind of angry today. Anger. Okay. Read three verses on anger, and that would be my devotion. But then one day, one day through a lot of other things that were happening in my life, it began to come alive. And it began to be real. And not only did it become something that brought me great joy, but it then became something that I could do in service to the Lord. I began reading and teaching and writing, and, and, and as a time, at the time I was actually already working as a youth pastor, and so I had the option in, in, in this great outpouring to be able to teach it week in and week out. And I realized that the things that brought me the most joy were the things that God gave me to serve Him. When we look at this, I want to mention one side note or one caveat, though. I've talked to people before who say, what if the things I enjoy aren't Christian things? And I've talked to people about this, and they say, what do you mean? And they say, well, some of the things I really enjoy are sins. And I thought, yeah, I I get that. Sin's actually really fun. I mean, if any of us are honest, sin is fun. In the moment, it's fun, it's exciting, and we wonder... And I remember this one student I talked to, and he said, is there something wrong with me that the things that bring me joy are are things that God says are sins? And I said, I think you're misunderstanding what God says here. What you're describing is things that are fleeting. You're describing things that don't last. You're describing things of this world that will one day wash away. Just like our bodies will break down those physical things that we look to and think, wow, why is this so enjoyable, really will one day wash away and and, and no longer be there. Those aren't the things of God. That is actually what I believe. That is the devil taking things and telling us that this is good, this is good, this is good, and tricking us into believing that this is what we want. When really many of us know when we do things that God has not called us to, it's not fulfilling. And and we do it again and again, and every time we do those things, we realize we feel like garbage inside, but for some reason we keep doing them. Brothers and sisters, we are not called to the things that are apart from God. Those are perversions of the things God has for us. We are called to joy, and joy is lasting, and joy is eternal. And the things that God has gifted you with and the things that God has called you to are the things that will train you for godliness in this life and the next. And so like an athlete in training, we train, we read Scripture, we pray, we come together. Because this training leads to growth and leads to godliness. And as I mentioned the mentoring thing, Timothy had Paul. And Paul was like a coach. Like all athletes, they have coaches, and they get pointers, and they get help. And I mentioned mentioned this this discipleship mentoring thing. And I just want to say something about mentoring real quickly. 
You know, mentoring is not meeting with someone who has all the answers. Discipleship is not meeting with someone who is perfect. Because if you look for someone who is perfect, you're going to spend your life alone. (laughs) Mentoring is simply coming alongside someone and helping them see the person God has made them to be. I remember my mentor one day telling me, Sam, I don't have all the answers. All I want to do is help you see the gifts God's given you and find ways so that you can train and practice in those gifts to be used by God. And so when we look at Paul and Timothy, this is what Paul is doing. He's set Timothy up and equipped him to go and preach and go and teach. And so my question to you is what brings you joy? What has God called you to? And do you have someone in your life who is coming alongside you and encouraging you to do those things? Who is praying for you? Who is walking you through Scripture and saying, this is the God we worship who brings you great joy and encouraging you to do the things that you find joy in? One of the biggest blocks to joy, I think, and and one of the biggest blocks to growth in Christ-likeness is that we can't let go of the things of this world. Many people I've talked to and many young people I've talked to over the years, whether it's sin or whether it's just an inability to let go of the things of this world, we hold so tightly unto the physical. We cling so tightly into the physical training of this world and and, and the things that one day will wash away. I would challenge you tonight to consider what God might be calling you to let go of. And I would challenge you to consider what God is calling you to that is eternal. The way I like to describe it is when God reaches in and kind of squeezes your heart and you begin to feel and you think, oh wow, God, what is God calling you to? What brings you joy? How might you find service to the Lord and growth in Christ-likeness through that? Only you know where you are. Only you know where you need a little bit more discipline and a little bit more training in that area of your life. Only you know if it's a personal thing between you and God, or maybe you need a coach and a mentor because you've stopped growing and you've realized that you feel like people are passing you by and you wonder why. Maybe you need a mentor and a coach. Maybe you are an older person who thinks, you know what, maybe I need to go and mentor and help coach and help come alongside young people to realize these things. Maybe you need to find out what your spiritual gifts are. Maybe you have no idea what it is, and you think, I just go to work, show up, and leave, and I have no idea how I'm impacting the kingdom. I don't know what it is. But I know that God calls each one of us to this, and that He desires that we would have joyful lives that lead us to growth, not just for this life, but for the life that is eternal. And that the things of this earth and the physical things will fade away. But that that which we do in service to our Lord, in service to our Lord, brings us joy. And not happiness. I, I, I can't impress on you that enough. That I, I can't stand it when the world talks about happiness. Because we can have, we can be happy, we can be in a good mood, and immediately someone says one mean thing to us, or someone does one rude thing to us, and our entire day is ruined. That's happiness. It comes, it goes. That's a mood. Joy is of the Holy Spirit. Joy lasts. Joy stays with us. Joy is where we find our calling and our training in the presence of the Lord. 
And my prayer for us as a church is that we would grow together, that we would find these things, that we would find these avenues like Timothy found where God has called us to, that we might be training for this life and the next. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we acknowledge that our discipline in our lives with you could be more. But Lord, at the same time, we do not feel shame, we do not feel guilt, Lord, but instead we rest in your presence knowing that you were there. That for those days we have neglected you, you were there. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your patience with us. Lord, I pray for each person in this room that they would find that gift, they would find that service, they would find the element of their life that would bring them great joy in your presence. And that they would train to be men and women of godliness, men and women who mirror Christ to this world, and that their training would not be for this world, but also for the world to come. For our eternity with you as eternal beings whom you have made in your image. Thank you, Lord. We love you and worship you. Amen.